Okay, and we're recording. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Aaron James podcast. Really excited to introduce today's guest. Uh, hails from uh, Johnson City, Tennessee. Started his career there. Played college soccer at East Tennessee University. A few USL clubs, and then he's moved his way out to Asia. Uh, team in Thailand, and his last few years have been really successful playing in Cambodia. So I'm really pleased to introduce Johnny Campbell. Uh, Johnny, how are you, mate? I'm doing well. Uh, thank you for having me on here. I really appreciate it. It's a, it's an honor for sure. No, you're welcome. So first of all, obviously, I haven't signed for Sfari in this season. Uh, I yeah. just wondered, kind of, got any plans for your next move? Well, uh, I'm waiting at the moment. So just, um, you know, for, I'm a free agent right now, just waiting to see where, you know, where I end up next. So, um, yeah, typical, <laughs> you know, footballer, you know, sometimes you sometimes you end up with a contract right away and sometimes you have to be patient and wait for, you know, what's what's coming, what's coming next. And unfortunately, right now, I think COVID's making making everything move a lot slower than it would if if we didn't have this pandemic going on. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I'm actually like really confident and excited to see like what the future holds. Yeah, yeah. I know you've got a big following in Cambodia. Is it going to be Southeast Asia, Cambodia, or are you looking anywhere different? Um, I'm definitely trying to stay in Southeast Asia. Um, as for Cambodia, I do not like, as of right now, I will say, I don't think I'll be in Cambodia. But you never know with football because, you know, things can change. But I'm definitely looking to stay in Southeast Asia. Just um, not exactly sure where yet. But also I've had, so, I've had some contacts that have reached out to me and asked if they could present me to some clubs in the U.S. So, you know, that could be an option as well. But I, for me personally, I want to stay in Southeast Asia because, you know, I just enjoy being a foreign player here and uh, the environment. Uh, living here everything it's just a really good feeling than being like just another american uh back home yeah, yeah. so obviously you've had like a, a good couple of years at Sfari and you talked about that there being the foreign player uh yeah. what's that kind of been like obviously there's only five foreigners on the team uh what, what's that kind of been like probably been only american in the cambodian league yeah, no, it's been it's been amazing, and actually, after my first season with Phnom Penh Crown in 2018, I was uh, my head and everything was fixed on leaving Cambodia and like uh, trying mm -hmm. to make uh, you know make a new new challenge in Malaysia was like where I was looking, um, okay. but then my coach Connor Nestor, or former coach Connor Nestor for Swaring, got in touch with me, and uh, you know we I was here visiting. Um, just visiting for a couple of weeks in Cambodia before I went on to Malaysia and I met with Connor and just sat down with him at a coffee shop and the guy is the guy is obsessed with football and like he had mm -hmm. you know he had watched like 10 or 11 games of me so I was mm -hmm. just you know blown away by how much information and how much he knew about me as a player and like could tell me so much about me and so that mm -hmm. kind of like after having that meeting with him that that just you know he, he made you have that feeling that you want to play for for him so mm -hmm. that's kind of that's kind of what happened for 2019 and 2020 i decided to sign with swarang and yeah i think it was i think it was the right decision for sure mm -hmm. looking back on yeah. it 
it's always good when a, a coach invests that time in you and actually knows a little bit about you, like your experiences and, you know, watch the games. Uh, so obviously Connor's been really successful here as well. What's kind of, what's the big thing about Connor to you that made him such influential for you? Well, um, I think the main thing is his desire to win and get results. Um, his ambition, as well as his drive. Uh, you know, every game, no matter who we're playing, he doesn't look down on the opponent. He thinks about, you know, we, we do, we stick to our plan and we do what we need to do to win this game. And then we focus on the next game. It wasn't about like looking down on any teams that we played. It was just about getting the best out of our team every single game. Um, but yeah, I think um, also him being obsessed, him being obsessed with football is just another one. Uh, yeah, it's just he knows he knows so much tactically everything. Yeah. So you mentioned the tactics. Then what's kind of his his uh, method of delivering that information to you? Is it on the pitch? Is it video? Um, yeah, I mean it's a bit of both. Uh, you know, we have we have video sessions, but as well on the pitch, he's like his training sessions are uh, very good. He he definitely like uh, lets each and every player know what he wants from them, um, mm. and like improves you tactically and um, you know as well as like technically as well and in the style that he wants to play because he wants to play like you know good football quick passing football so um you need to be technically aware as well as tactically so when you first started playing for connor was there any kind of differences between his coaching style and maybe the coaches you've had back home in america um well i'd probably say i'd probably say connor's if one of the best not if the best uh coach i've had in my professional career um, right. Not saying that the careers in the or the coaches in the U.S. were bad. They weren't. They're good coaches. It's just um, I, I don't know. Connor's Connor especially has something about him that he gets the best out of each and every player. Um, yeah. And yeah. and I feel like that's something that was missing in the U.S. I feel like uh, you know man management maybe not have been there in some of the teams I had been in as well as uh, getting the information across about what what they really want. Yeah, I've only met Connor a few times, but he does. Uh, he's certainly very eloquent, and he comes across very well. I always think that any manager that wins a league, uh, it's a really hard skill, because I mean, to win a league, you've got to have everything. You've got to have the consistency, like you said, uh, be able to deliver the message across, get everybody involved. Uh, and you win twenty-five games unbeaten, yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, and, uh, not twenty-six. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> almost so, finished the season. What's that kind of feeling like when you get that momentum? What, how, how does that like transfer to the team, to the players? Um, you know, like during it, we, I don't even think we were thinking about it. We weren't like, yeah, we were, you, you know, you're, you're constantly aware that you're unbeaten, but at the same time you're thinking about, all we're thinking about is doing the job the next game and winning the yeah. next game. And just you know, we weren't thinking about like, oh, our re we've beat we've uh, beat the unbeaten record in Cambodia now, or like mm -hmm. anything like that. We were just like, we just kept going, and we we're just focusing one game at a time. And I think that's one reason we were so successful 
in 2019 is we weren't focusing on the future, focusing on the big games. It's just every single game, one game at a time and like not getting ahead of ourselves. And uh, so obviously playing in Cambodia, how is that compared to maybe like the USL leagues that you played in in the past? Uh, it's so difficult to compare because, you know, the USL is, um, you know, a lot of athletes for sure is, is how I'd like to say or, or like to say it. And then in Cambodia, the Cambodian players are, you know, they're not they're not as athletic, but they're very technical. So you, mm -hmm. you deal with a different type of footballer. But um, most of the time for me as a foreign player and a center back, I'm always up against another foreign player. So, I, I you know I rarely I rarely am going against a Cambodian player unless it's uh, one of the teams that are like lower in the table that maybe don't have foreigners or something. Um, so yeah. usually usually my battle is against a foreign player. Yeah, it's funny how like the the teams kind of match up like that. It's like foreigner versus foreigner when it comes to situations like that. And those kind of battles, who, who's maybe the toughest player in the Cambodian league that you've come up against? Oh, that's a difficult question. I mean, yeah. I train against Privat every day, so yeah. I would I would say Privat. He's so right. I mean, he's he's my teammate, but he's also so intelligent. He's technical. He's fast. He's strong. Like he just he's very very difficult, you know, player to handle. And I'd say he's definitely the most difficult, um, you know, one v one. Even with with his back to goal, he's very intelligent. So. Like I'd say, Privat. Yeah, he, he, I've watched him a few times. He's a, a fantastic player. And yeah. um, so obviously, you won the league championship there. Is that the first league that you've won in the, your career? Yes, uh, definitely. The in my professional career, yes. In college, I we won conference like conference tournament a couple of times, but that yeah. doesn't compare to like winning a you know a professional yeah. league. Yeah, like I said, like I think with a league, it's just especially. It's all the different things that go into it. Like a lot of college stuff is like tournament play. But yeah. I think when you have that real consistency. Uh, so what's it like when you get the hands on the trophy? How does that feel? Oh, it's incredible feeling. I mean... You like a big trophy in Cambodia, yeah? Yeah, <laughs> for yeah. sure. But when we, won the t when we won the title in 2019, it, everybody was like not even that happy because we won with like four, I think four games left. So... Like me, mm -hmm. only only me and Charlie, uh, the English midfielder we had, we were the only ones that were like really celebrating when we knew we had won the title. The rest of the uh, Cambodian players were just like, you know, like not even not even happy, not even showing emotion. It was like um, yeah. it was like it was expected, but like, you know, it's it's really something you can't take for granted because it takes so you know so much consistency, as you said. Uh, you know, things have to go your way. You have to have luck on your side a lot of times because, you know, anything can go against you in football. You can get a red card, uh, you know, a, a terrible mistake or a goal can happen. So, like, we just, we had everything on our side and it was, it was well, funny seeing. You had any seeing. red cards in Cambodia? You had any red cards? I did have a red card. The last game yeah, of the season. Yeah. Last game of the season that we lost 2-1 to Naga to lose our 26th game unbeaten streak. I got a yeah. red red card in the 92nd minute. <laughs> what was it? A rush of blood? Bad tackle? What happened? Uh, I, I was just, I, I, I was definitely just uh, lost my head at that point because yeah. it was one of those games where 
the decisions did not seem very fair. So I, I just um, let my emotions get to me. Well, yeah. What? You told the referee what you thought of him? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I, yeah. I, it was a tackle. No, I got it. I got it for a tackle. But after he gave me the card, of course, I, I told all three referees what I thought of them. Right. <laughs> and, uh, uh, how do the referees compare to the referees in America? What What do you think? Um, I think the standard in the U.S. for refereeing is probably probably a bit better. Yeah. Um, I feel like in Cambodia and Thailand both that you deal with um, some some stuff that you wouldn't deal with in the US but I think overall there's still good there's still good referees and referees that make good decisions over here but it just uh, the consistency isn't the same as in the mm -hmm. US as it is you know over here yeah good stuff so obviously you mentioned how you met Connor and you had a season at Phnom Penh Crown yeah before yeah and uh, they're quite a young side. What was that like? Do you, do you have more leadership there, or? Um, yeah, it's, it's a super young team. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it was a it was a bit of a crazy year. I actually I signed there as a center back, and then right. you know, through throughout the season we had some performance issues and stuff like scoring goals. So I ended up being thrown as a, thrown up as a striker for six games. Oh, yeah, so it was just one of those seasons where a lot of things went wrong that season. Mm -hmm. I mean, we still finished we finished fifth that season, but uh, mm -hmm. you know, it just wasn't it wasn't meant to be that year. And yeah. like playing did, did out playing out of position, role? huh? Did you like that role? Oh, I, I love playing striker, but like I'm just not a I'm not a goal scorer. I'm not a finisher. Like I can yeah. I can play the role, but I don't have the instinct that a striker has. Yeah. Did you get a couple of goals or not? I had I had a goal, one goal and an assist. <laughs> yeah. In oh, six nice. six games yeah, six games as a striker. All right. Oh, good stuff. And so how did you you move come out about to Cambodia then originally? Um Thai I mean Thailand was the first destination in Southeast Asia. And right. that that came about uh I met a friend in Seattle Sounders. Uh, preseason that had played in Thailand he was right. he was also in that preseason and we had just stayed in touch uh, throughout our career our professional careers and he ended up just messaging me asking me if I wanted to uh, go try Southeast Asia because he had been there before and he already knew a few people and that's mm -hmm. that's kind of how it happened I just ended up taking a leap of faith going with him and uh, right. signed and you, signed you in Thailand not a lot of Americans don't have a passport so you have a passport, yeah. yeah? Yeah, yeah, I I've traveled or I traveled to Mexico and like Hawaii stuff like that. All right, um, so you will even, uh, yeah, yeah. So I knew a bit. Oh, I, I went to Spain as well right after college. I right. lived in Spain for three months. So right. yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you're right. A lot of Americans probably don't have passports. Yeah, it always intrigues me. Mind you, I suppose when you live in America, like if you need the sun, you go to Florida. If you need to ski, you go to Colorado. Like you don't yeah, really need exactly. a Exactly. Exactly. I always go down to Miami when uh, Tennessee yeah. gets cold. I'll, I'll always go down to Miami and live with my friends down there and play football and you know stay in shape because I hate cold weather. Yeah. Wow. So, so your team in Thailand, uh, what were they called again? Uh, Chachung Sao FC. 
Right. And that's T two. It was Tie League three. Um, Ty when League I, three. I was I was actually with Superpower Summit Prakan, which is a Tie League one team at that time, for right. two two months. But they had signed their center back already, so I was I was on trial as a striker there, and right. they kept they kept me for a, a long time. And then last okay. about two days before the window uh, closed. They ended up sending me to Chachung Sao and I signed like directly without Chachung Sao even seeing me. So that yeah. was like, it was a blessing in disguise because it was either sign for Chachung Sao or go back to the US. So right. that was, right. you know, that was, that was really good. So, yeah. And what's that like? Obviously, I don't know if you've been to Thailand before. What was it like when you first got to Asia? What was the, your first thoughts? Oh, it was <laughs> a big culture shock. I never, yeah. I mean, like, I had only experienced Mexico and Spain are the only places I experienced outside of the U.S. So uh, you can only imagine, like, Southeast Asia. Um, but but for me, it's, you know, it's always, I, I'm one of those people that love traveling, loves traveling and loves seeing new places. Like, no matter what the environment is, I always, like, make the best of it. And I thought Thailand was an awesome place. And I think the same thing about Cambodia. It's so interesting, such a cool culture. And uh, so, how did the football go in Thailand? Yeah, no, I went. It went. Uh, it went well that season because you know I didn't really have a name or anything. So I signed or like I signed and got to show myself in Thai League Three. And I think I think if I would have went back to Thailand instead of going to Cambodia, I could have signed in Thai League Two the next season. But I ended up not coming back to Thailand, even though that was my initial plan was to go back in Thailand. <laughs> Just mm. kind of got sidetracked and ended up signing in Cambodia instead. Yeah. Uh, how does the kind of the Thailand and Cambodia T free to the the C League? What's the? Is it a similar level? Um, I, I think I think the top teams in the C League are, you know, very like decent sides and like they're always mm. improving. So I would say. You know, but also Thai League 3, like the top teams in Thai League 3 are, you know, they're just spending loads of money to try and get promoted. So they also have very strong teams. So yeah, I, I would say like it's very comparable, but I, I would say more like probably Thai League 2 level, the top teams in the C League um, yeah. would be. Right. Yeah, I know it's... But I think just recently they made a change, haven't they, to the T three league? They've kind of regionalized it all. I don't know if you've seen that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I have, I have. It's uh, crazy. It's like a bit of a weird thing right now. I can't quite understand it. Yeah, uh, yeah I thought, I thought the. I thought the setup they had was was perfect. The two zones of Thai League three. But now mm. they've changed it completely. Right. So, yeah, interesting. Yeah, it looks like a little bit of a different setup. So you you mentioned after college then, you, you went to Spain? Yep, I went to Valencia, Spain. Right. Lived, lived there for three team, months. Then? Yeah, oh, I, nice. was, I was there I was there with the team. I just wanted to – It was I, I met someone in Miami that wanted to send me there to get some experience with a professional team. So right. – I, I basically just spent three months there training every day with them and, uh, you know, kind of just getting myself used to the professional environment and what it's like to be a pro uh, yeah. before I came so, back to the it, U.S. You feel like that time in Spain then prepared you for, like, the career that you've had so far? 
Oh, 100% because I got to, I realized, you know, how much football means to these people that are getting paid to do it. Like in college, you're not, you're just getting your degree and like you're not really getting paid. But when you're getting paid to do it, there's a lot more on the line. And like um, even training sessions in Spain, the players would go, you know, 100% on each other, like really, really hard. And, you know, I wasn't used to that in college because, you know, when you're training in college, you're kind of not, you know, you're not, you're still going 100%, but you're not going into tackle, flying into tackles and stuff like that. But in Spain, it was a whole different experience, like people flying into tackles all the time, like, you know, playing for that, their, their salary, you know? So, or their position in the team. Yeah, so getting your getting your match shirt for the game, it just uh, you know brings it up a level. You know when you're really playing for you know like you say for your money. Yeah. Uh, and was any like uh, things that you kind of learned about yourself in that time? Any uh, you know anything that you thought I need to improve during that time? Oh, def definitely. I mean, especially with my mentality, I had to definitely mm -hmm. change my mentality to more of like a, uh, you have to, you know, you have to like really, really want it to, to make it as a mm -hmm. professional and you, and you can't just let people, um, you know, walk, walk over you. So like yeah. I, I learned cool. that in Spain quickly that I had to also be thrown in tackles and like given a hundred percent every single training session. Is that a change in like the way you're playing the game or is that a change in uh, kind of your mindset or your uh, just kind of maybe your confidence? I think I think the changes was mindset mostly, but also the mm -hmm. speed of play. The speed of play was a lot quicker and you can only imagine Spain. So many good players there. We had we had players on that team that had come from like they had been with like Villarreal at some point in their career and you know, other other teams that were, you know, r big teams in, in Spain that they had just dropped down and were playing in a lower division now. Mm. So w when you say play quicker, is there anything like that you used to tell yourself, like, oh, maybe just take one, two touches? Or is, like, how did you kind of implement that? Did you do any, like, training by yourself or? Um, well, I mean, that, yeah, you, training by myself, but also just uh, switching the brain on. I feel like like checking your shoulder, making sure you've made you're making your decision early, uh, knowing what's around you. There's so many different little details that you have to you have to really focus on to you know push yourself to a, a faster faster pace, faster pace game and stuff. Yeah. So I think one of the things that I'm thinking about right now is like. Uh, you know, being an American and obviously I've played in Cambodia, played in Thailand, had some experience in Spain. Obviously, there's not that many Americans leave America and do what you've done. How was how that like being like when you've been in other places? Like, how do people take to you being a, an American soccer player? You mean back home or just in general? No, so like when, you're, when you're in Spain, yeah, or in, no, like how do the Spanish players relate to you as an American player? How do the Cambodian players relate to as an American player? Because like it's not the most they probably played with Brazilians or Spanish players or whoever. There's yeah. not that many American players playing out there in Asia or in Europe. 
So just yeah. kind of how, how the players, I mean, do you, uh, do you think play, players maybe treat you a little different being an American or? In Spain, yes. They're like, yeah. definitely because, you know, they don't think about Amer U.S. as being like a football playing country. But in, yeah. in Thailand and in Cambodia, no, not at all. I think, I think mm -hmm. they're so used to seeing different foreign players from, you know, everywhere. So mm -hmm. whenever they, I, I'd say a lot of them don't even know I'm American probably. <laughs> yeah, what do you think you are? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. They just probably think yeah. I'm a foreigner. I think they they could probably like care less like where I'm from, you know. I feel like that's just kind of like the mentality in in Southeast Asia is like, yeah. In, unless you're Brazilian, like they they don't really don't really like uh, care if you're from another country. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At least they're not Virginia, as long as you do the business. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, uh, <laughs> No, that's great. But no, I, I'm a big fan of American players. I'm actually one of the only people that I hope in my lifetime, and I really believe that I think America will win the World Cup. And I've said it a couple of times. Uh, I think especially now you like look at some oh, of the players. The, ta the talent now. right now coming up. The talent it's, right now uh, coming up. So yeah. many. So many. It's uh, exciting time. So yeah. they've got the World Cup. It's after the Qatar one. It's USA and Canada. Uh it's USA, Canada, and Mexico are doing the World Cup all three together, aren't they? Uh, maybe yeah. that could be the one. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But we, oh, US has, US soccer has a very long road to go because you know we just didn't qualify for the the last one. So like, yeah. you know, it's a big rebuilding period at the moment because all of our stars that you know were stars in the past have all reti retired now, or they're just too yeah. old. So it's a complete rebuilding. Uh, our national team at the moment. Mm. Uh, so yeah, obviously you did a little bit in Spain before Thailand. So, and then you played in USL, yeah, a few different teams. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so which teams did you play for in USL? I, I played in the USL Championship. I played for Charlotte Independence, and that was actually yeah. the only one I played for. I was in preseason with Seattle Sounders, the second team. Yeah but I didn't sign there. So Charlotte Independence. And then after Charlotte Independence, I uh, was in preseason with a, another club, but I didn't sign that season. So I dropped down to, I think it's called, it was called PDL back then, but I think it's called USL League Two now. So yeah, yeah, no. uh, my, Miami City was the team I went to to keep ticking over after that USL season I had because I wanted to get back into the professional setup. Um, and yeah just uh, after, sorry just leaving into that once i play a few guys stage sorry i didn't catch that Did i just lost you a bit there that? uh oh well, no i'll jump uh, there yeah. again so i played a, i played a few games uh after i left charlotte independence um in the usl2 or pdl whatever you want to call it and then I, that's when I decided to go to Southeast Asia. So in your USL, uh, Charlotte, what was that like? Good city? Yeah, very, very good. Um, the level of the players were also very good. Um, but it was definitely an experience. It was like my first experience professionally in the U.S. because mm -hmm. 
the only previous experience I had before that was uh, a team called Philadelphia Fury, which was it was like a startup professional trying to be a professional league in the U.S., but it wasn't. Uh, I don't think it quite turned out. I don't even think it exists anymore, to be honest. But yeah, yeah it, there's a few leagues like that crop up in America. Yeah, uh, even a couple now actually, and uh, they just kind of crop up and then they disappear. Uh, yeah. And they used to have the indoor soccer as well when I was there. They used to have indoor soccer leagues, oh. and uh, used to crop up and then they just disappear again. And yeah, they kind of quite a lot. So loads of my, loads of my friends play in that in the indoor yeah. professional league. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so you've been a few cities then: Charlotte, Philadelphia, uh, Seattle. Yeah, uh, uh, I was in I was in California as well for two weeks yeah. um, when Orange County Blues were a team, but I don't think they exist anymore either. Right, and uh, so out of them kind of USL teams, which was the team really where you you kind of you mentioned that professional experience, which was the one where you really thought, right, this is kind of my career now, and uh, I'm going to kick on from here. Um, well, I, f I felt like that when I first came back from Spain and I signed with Philadelphia yeah. Fury. Um, mm -hmm. After I played played for them for six or seven games, I, d I was like, okay, now, like, you know, I'm, I'm getting there. And then that's when I started getting the interest from, I had Seattle Sounders too want me to come for preseason. I had Real Monarchs want me to come from, for preseason, which is both, you know, USL or their MLS team, MLS second teams, basically. So that was really good to have that, um, you know, them wanting me to come into their preseason and look at me. And that's when I think I really, you know, switched uh, my, well, I always had my brain like switched on professionally, but I really like switched it on to where I knew I could, I could make it at that level. So you were a defender at this time or you were flirting with a striker still or? No, center back, center back. <laughs> yeah. I was and, outside uh, back in college. I played, I played yeah. outside back mostly. Right. So obviously, Seattle is kind of one of the biggest MLS teams. What was that experience like? Oh, it was, it was incredible. I was, I was there for mm. about a month, um, and there was initially forty-two players there. So mm. like, uh, they kept me all the way until basically the end. There was about seventeen players left. They kept making cuts because um, it was the first year of Seattle Sounders too so they're trying to make you know their new USL team um, yeah. and I got down to about I think 17 players left and then the final mm -hmm. they're gonna keep all 17 um, but there was like something going on in the MLS where there's like a it was like a pay strike or something like that so they're like waiting to see what happened with that and after that happened um, we played one more game, and then the next day, I got called into the office and was like, told that they're not—they're not like they're letting go of both outside backs, and they're mm -hmm. gonna just drop ones down from the MLS. So yeah, that was no, like—that was I think such every, a, footballer, every footballer gets messages like that at some point in their career. Uh, you know, even no matter how good you are. So, like, uh, what's like your mentality like when you get messages like that? Like, how do you bounce back? Well, that was that was a hard pill to swallow because the the day yeah. before I had I had uh, played played a friendly match and I gave an assist and we won. I think we won four one. And Ziggy Schmidt, the head coach of Seattle Sounders, was there watching us. 
So like to be called to be called into the office the next day and then be told that like we're not mm. keeping you is a hard pill yeah, to swallow. Bring, bring definitely. Back down to earth, it? Like one day you're thinking, yeah, I've played such a good game, and then just you know, it's uh, it's like a sucker punch, really. Yeah, I I honestly I thought I was gonna sign there a hundred percent. I thought there was yeah. no way I, I was gonna think, let go. I actually think like moments like that are kind of really good in your career. Especially like to like you being a young player at the time to experience that. It's good because it puts fuel in the fire. Like you want to prove them wrong, prove that you can do it. So I think especially to get messages like that at a young age, it's it's no problem. And um, you know, like what we've talked about, you've had a really good career so far, you know, and still plenty to go. So it probably helped you on the way, I think, a little bit. Yeah, for sure. It helps you develop because when you're told that you definitely, as you said, add so much fuel fuel to that fire so like you you know you want to prove you want to prove to not only yourself but to everyone else that like you can make it at that level and you can even surpass that level so um yeah i think i think getting those messages then were is really good for improving yourself and being motivated so looking at kind of around that time like a lot of footballers go through it especially those that come out of college soccer uh, yeah. whether you really follow that path to be a professional like what you've done or then maybe you might just go back into employment or somewhere else uh, I just want you to kind of like reflect on the people you played with at the time maybe the guys at Seattle or other guys is any of that have had success or have you kind of just passed them doing your thing the center back those at Seattle Sounders too of me is now U.S. national team center back starting for the U.S. Yeah. national team. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but a lot yeah, of those players, are, yeah, some some of those players uh, are like no longer playing, and then some are mm. you know having really good careers. So it's, I, I think it's a lot about mentality and a lot about what you want in life because yeah. you know a lot of a, a lot of the American players we all have our degrees because you know mm. you rarely see an American player go professional before he's went to college or something like that because it's just kind of the system that's set up there. Um, but now the academy system is is better, so you'll get more of those players that haven't gone to college yet that will go straight into pros. But, you know, when I, when I was coming through, it was, you know, mostly college guys that go to pro after they graduate college. Mm. So, yeah, you get a lot of guys that are, you know, contemplating whether they go with their degree and go get a job that, they have a hundred percent for sure money or they, you know, they play football where they may earn, you know, small money at the start with like, if you do well, you can, you can obviously continue growing, but you know, there's never that, there's always that risk that what if you get injured or there's so many different factors that go into prof being a professional footballer that you have to, you have to weigh. And I think a lot of, yeah. a lot of the good players in the U S they don't, they don't want to take that risk and they end up just, you know, calling it quits and going and getting a job, a regular job. Yeah. I mean, some, some of the ones that I know, like the ones that have come out of like the really prestigious universities, uh, for them, like they get actually more money going to be a, you know, maybe a lawyer or something like this. They can, they yeah. can make more money than what they would do playing MLS. So it's just like, uh, what a decision to have to make, you know, if you've come out of college, shall I be a professional or shall I, it's uh, it's really nice time to 
make a decision having an education behind you. So what did you study then when you were at East Tennessee? I did uh, business, so I did supply chain management, and then that was my major, and then I marketed, or I did a minor in marketing. So right. so is that something you want to go back into after after you've done with soccer? Or? Uh, it was kind of... It's kind of something that I chose just to have a good fallback plan because the I know the salaries and everything are good in in those fields. So um, I just wanted to have a good fallback plan to football. But I knew I knew in my head that I was determined to play professionally. It's what I had wanted since I was, you know, probably 12 years old watching Arsenal play all the time. I, I knew I wanted to be a professional footballer. So um, I had it in my mind the entire time what I wanted. And uh, so, what was your college career like? So, East Tennessee is a D one school. Yeah, Division one school. Right. Um, and then, so you said yeah. you, you won the conference title there, yeah? Yeah, uh, I had a I had a bit of a roller coaster of a college career because I wasn't always playing. Uh, I had a lot of injuries mm -hmm. in college, uh, like ankle injuries and a back injury and stuff like that. So I missed. I missed a lot of games in college, but my freshman year we won the tournament, Atlantic Sun uh, Conference Championship or whatever, and then my senior year we won it. We won it again, so I had two, you know, conference championship wins while I was in college. But uh, the NCAA tournament we got knocked out in the first round both times, so that was kind right. of uh, yeah, that was kind of a uh, you know. Not exactly what you no. want because I think we could have done better, but it's it's not easy. Mm. That that tournament's a very difficult tournament. Mm. Um, maybe for like listeners that don't know, kind of what's like uh, the typical college day like? Uh, you know, for people that don't know, like when you're doing the education and you then you're playing as well. <laughs> it packed. Uh, I mean, like. Yeah. You know, you have gym, you could, you could have like gym in the morning or training in the morning and then you have your, your classes to go to and then maybe like a session in the afternoon as well. Um, you know, you're packed with a lot of, a lot of football. Do you have a good GPA? What kind, of, what kind of guy were you like on campus? you have a good GPA? Uh, I graduated with the 3.94. So okay. oh, I, I, did, I, did, I did well, thankfully. But I, I made sure that um, I wasn't a good high school student, but I made sure once I got to college that I really you know, switched my, I guess, my perception of school around and made sure I studied really hard and did well. And uh, I don't know much about East Tennessee. What's it kind of famous for, the university? Uh, is it a party college or? Um, huh. That's a good question. I mean... We're we're like a we're we're a pretty pretty big university in Tennessee. Obviously, not compared to like University of Tennessee or some of some of the other like massive colleges. But um, I mean, East Tennessee in general is known for like mountains and like beautiful you know mm -hmm. beautiful scenes and stuff like that. So I'd say I would say maybe our university is uh, I don't know more known for probably just like having a really relaxed. Uh, campus life and you know good places to hike and stuff like that i don't really know yeah. we're not really a party i mean i think every college is a party college mm -hmm. <laughs> if i'm being honest but um yeah good stuff so 
during your college career, what what was the the coach like? Uh, Do you have the same coach all the way through? Yeah, same coach for. I was in I was in that system for four and a half years because I redshirted. So, um, right. yeah. So I had the same same coach the entire time. Same head coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, when you get to your, your senior year, had you already decided then? I know you you mentioned it. Were you deciding that I'm going to be a professional then? Um. Throughout my throughout my college career, I knew I wanted to be a professional. But like when I got to my senior year and I had a really really good senior year, that was uh, that was definitely like yes, I, I'm going for this. Like you know that was that was the deciding year for me that I'm gonna keep pushing on and keep you know trying to further my football career. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you have any blockers? Any I don't know. Could be family members saying, "Oh no." You need to get a job. Uh, need to do something different, or might mean professors saying you need to go into this profession. Uh, do you have any kind of people blocking your way? Oh, uh, many people, but um, family. No, family is always so yeah. su- supportive, and like close, close good friends also like very supportive. Want to push me as far as I can, like telling me not to get a normal job. I can get that you know, sometime else in my life, like play football yeah. as long as I can. Um, but yeah, you have so many people saying like, bro, you know how hard it is to play professional. Like you shouldn't even try it. Like, you know, all kinds of stuff like that. And um, you just have to kind of, you listen to some because you, you have to use that to kind of improve yourself. Mm-hmm. But others, you just have to, you know, just not even listen to it and just you know look the look in another direction mm. yeah interesting and uh so before your college career you had to play high school and club soccer here in america uh you mentioned like you had this idea of becoming a pro very young when did that kind of set in like obviously you love for arsenal as well uh kind of what age did you decide then well, I play. I started playing when I was about five, but it yeah. wasn't until, you know, as an American kid, I grew up playing every single sport. So I was in every single thing you can think of. Um, and then at around the age of 12, like I really started to fall in love with Arsenal. And I, and I, just, I just knew that that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to play professionally. Um, and... I decided to drop all the other sports that I was playing and only start, only continue playing football. Well, so, what other sports were you playing at that time? <laughs> a list, a long list. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah basketball, baseball. Um, I was swimming. I was playing tennis, golf, uh, gymnastics. Oh, is so, there any tempted your interest or? basketball i loved basketball but yeah. baseball i was yeah. probably the best at i just didn't like it <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, do you think any of them sports helped you in your, your, your kind of your soccer career um i think i think probably not because i quit them too early i think maybe mm-hmm. if i if i played them for a longer time maybe i could say like some of them had an influence on something with football but i think mm-hmm. because 
I stopped playing them, you know, at such an, er an early age that maybe they probably didn't, you know, have much of an effect on my football career. Mm. Yeah, like, I, I, think was, if, I would think of his uh, Steve Nash, obviously a very famous basketball player. Yeah. Uh, when he was growing up, he was well known for soccer. And uh, he, he, he relates a lot of his good attributes in basketball that he learned in soccer. Like you say, scanning and looking over your shoulder and, uh, you know, thinking about the game tactically. He, he brought a lot from soccer into basketball. So yeah. I just think it's really interesting with all the Americans that just how they play different sports, but then some get to college and then they have to choose like, oh, I'm going to do basketball, I'm going to do soccer. And then yeah. even then the real elite ones then, when they finish with college, I mean, some of them could go be a professional baseball player and they might even go be a professional basketball player. It's just like, it's absolutely crazy when you think about it. They just yeah. have, they have these athletes that can just be, do so many different sports and it's interesting. Yeah, for sure. You see a lot of uh, football players go and be kickers for, for American football teams. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, it was a very famous one. It was back in the 80s. Uh, I can't remember his name, but he played for Tottenham here uh, in England. And then uh, he went over to uh, NFL and was a kicker for a little bit. Uh, but I wouldn't fancy being a kicker. Like, not with the size of them guys running at you. Just like, wow. Just get smashed while you're trying to, while you're trying to score a field goal. <laughs> yeah. I actually, cause like I say, I lived in America. I was there. I was at a college party once and somebody said, all oh, these guys from England, they play soccer. And obviously there were some American football guys there. And they were like, oh, we'll see if we can kick it. So we had a few beers and obviously he did like the one where they took the ball out of the hook, but they really fire it at you. Yeah. And he's just fired the ball at me and I've got it and I've caught it and then just punted it. But the three guys took it like a real game and have just absolutely charged at me. <laughs> Obviously, we had a few beers, but I was just like, I'm never doing that again. And uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, interesting. But uh, I just think there's it's actually the thing with the head injuries, though, I've never really fancied doing American football. And same with yeah. rugby. It's back home now well, in England, uh, the rugby players have just, uh, similar to what happened in American football, they're talking about concussion now and they're actually going to sue the league. Uh, so that's why I think soccer is the best sport. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, you have to deal with all those types of head injuries in both of those sports. I mean, mm -hmm. even in even in football as well, though, you get some head injuries for sure, especially with goalkeepers. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean Peter Cech's the obvious one. There was one for Wolves actually, a really bad injury last week. Uh, so I can't see them changing the rules. Or I, I remember some of the U.S. soccer leagues, the kids' leagues, they said no heading. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Really interesting. Uh, I didn't like heading it anyway, so it probably suited me. Probably being a bit better. <laughs> I, 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 can't say, I can't say that because I have to head, I have to head the ball all the time. <laughs> I can't say that I like it, though. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not the nicest part of that game, but it's, it's got to be done. But yeah, maybe, sure. maybe that's why you're playing in Cambodia. You know, it might be yeah. easier for you. <laughs> exactly. Uh, uh, so, yeah, Johnson City, what's that kind of like growing up there? Like you mentioned Tennessee, full of, full of rolling hills. 
Yeah, uh, mountains, you know, beautiful places to hike. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of nice people, southern people. Um, yeah, yeah it's, that's that's home for me. It's it's a good. Is it Appalachian Trail is that is that that go through Tennessee Appalachian Trail? Yep, 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 yep. You're you're in the right area right there. So, um, yeah. So just um, there's not much to say about it because it's just you know kind of a relaxed place and you yeah. know just a be just a beautiful place to to be. But you know not much going on. Yeah. Other, other than the university. Yeah. So Johnson City is a how big of a town is it? Uh, I think last time I looked, it was around sixty thousand. I think. Right. Yes, it's quite small then. Yeah. 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 Small, yeah. small city. I think the university is like fifteen thousand or something. Right. Oh, and uh, what about outside of sport? So obviously you're obsessed with soccer and Arsenal. What about growing up? Any other interests? Um, I really, I really like basketball a lot. Um, yeah. That was probably that was probably my second favorite. Um, I, I like I don't know if you know much about basketball, but I liked Allen Iverson. He was kind of like the player I like to watch all the time. Yeah, I haven't watched much. I've seen his name on the back of the shirts quite a lot. Yeah, uh, yeah. Anything outside sport? Any other interests? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a big. I love video games. <laughs> right. Oh, wow. that's, that's probably that's probably not a not a good habit to have, but it's just yeah. something. As a kid, I grew up playing video games my entire life, and it's just something I really, I really enjoy doing. What was the, what was the one that got you hooked? The one video game? Oh, so many. I, I, I played mm -hmm. like everything growing up. Just, yeah. I just enjoy, enjoy games. I mean, FIFA's obviously a big one, but mm -hmm. also you know, like shooters as well, like a Call of Duty or something like that. Uh, mm -hmm. Just really enjoy, enjoy. I never got video right into games. the. I never got into the video games. I was always, we had Championship Manager. I don't know if you've heard of that one. I think it's called Football Manager now. Yeah. I used yeah. to look like, especially it rains a lot in England. You'd just be in your bedroom just playing that one. And then before you know it, you'd look and like two days have passed and you haven't been out of your bedroom. You've just been playing <laughs> Football Manager. It's yeah. uh, such a great game. Yeah. It's, it's not good habits to have, but it definitely is, you know, something fun to do and get your mind away from, you know, everything. Yeah, man. I don't mind actually. I always think if you're gonna have like one bad habit, as long as it don't kill you, it's probably a decent one to have. Video games, you yeah. know, like it's not like smoking or kind of drinking a lot. It's probably a good one to have. I always think it'll. I mean, society will be really interesting when you think maybe I don't know in 30, 40 years time, like all of the old people's home, the residential home, like are the old people all going to be sat there playing video games? It's just going to be like <laughs> probably, probably. Yeah. <laughs> So it's interesting. Uh, no, that's good to know. And uh, so, yeah, just to round it up, I just got a few quick fire ones for you. Uh, so I'll just roll them down here. Just bear with me. Uh, yeah. All right. So just a few uh, questions just to finish off, really. Uh, first one, night in or night out? Night in. <laughs> Nineteen. Who who is anybody special? I've had a Cambodian girlfriend for three years now, so I'd have to say oh, her. Yes. Wow, good stuff. Uh, yeah. I know you're a man of many hairstyles. I've seen quite yeah. a few pictures when I've been googling you. Uh, so my question is: top knot or ponytail? Top knot. Wow, nice. Uh, next one, obviously, I wrote it down. I didn't know shades or baseball cap. 
Looks like you got a baseball cap on. No, it's an Arsenal. Yeah, it's base, Arsenal. I mean, I'd say baseball cap, but it's it's Arsenal. <laughs> yeah. See, I, I'm a shades man. I, I never, I've, I've got a small head, so I can never do like the American baseball cap thing. I just never looks right on me. I don't think Englishmen wear baseball caps. I just don't think too American. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely an American thing. Yeah. Next one, big controversial. Trump or Biden? Well, is Trump going to stay in the White House or you want Biden to kick him out? I, I don't even think I can answer that. I think, I mean, I don't really yeah. like either of them, but yeah. Trump's crazy. So, <laughs> yeah. did, you, uh, did you get a chance to vote while you're out here? You know, I, I didn't. And if even if I got a chance to vote, I don't even know who, like, who I would go for. That's how, that's just you know yeah that's just kind of the I'm state the of our government right now yeah i'm the same i don't i've never cared too much for politics i mean i've traveled a lot yeah. but it's just when you look at some of the parties it's just too confusing like you, yeah. you know like you say you need to vote for but uh i do like trump i love his twitter just makes me laugh i don't know if you got twitter he's, <laughs> yeah he's great. So, yeah oh so much of the stuff he says is just oh just ridiculous ridiculous it's funny so, comical for sure uh, good stuff uh, so yeah that's kind of it uh, just want to say thank you for your time and uh, I wish you good luck on your next move and uh, thank you for sharing your story with us uh, I think there's some really good little bits in there that people find interesting so yeah thank you for your time yeah thank you so much for having me on again I really appreciate you contacting me and giving me the opportunity to speak about this stuff and I enjoyed talking with you hopefully we'll get together in Phnom Penh if you're back back here before wherever I go to next. Yeah, sounds good. All right. Yeah. Just round it up. Guys, that's it. Thank you for your time, Johnny. And that's been the Aaron James podcast. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you.